This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I am Chase Wilsey and uh, joining me here shortly will be Brent Wilsey. Uh, unfortunately, he had to run to the restroom. Bathrooms are broken on our floor today, so uh, Brendan is going down to grab him real quick. So as I said, he'll be with you shortly. But we'll be here for the next hour, uh, giving you that no strings attached fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Uh, very happy to be here this Saturday morning. Looks like a lovely day. Got a lot to talk about, as always. Uh, we'll be talking about, uh, you know, Rivian, uh, that that hot stock that came out, IPO'd uh, a couple days ago. A uh, lot of interesting news about that company. Also be talking about the CPI and, and, and inflation and, and how hot inflation is running. Uh, Jolt's report came out, one of our, our favorite reports. Very excited to talk about what's going on with the Jolt's. But as always, your calls do come first, and unfortunately, I don't have that phone number with me. Uh, Brent will be able to give that out shortly. Uh, very excited to talk about what's going on today. But first, uh, as I said, let's talk about what's going on with this this Rivian company. And for those that don't know that, that missed this IPO, uh, Rivian is a automotive company. They're they're producing an electric truck. Is kind of I'm going to say their their claim to fame so far. But uh, let's say you know uh, Rivian has. Oh, actually, I got the the wrong numbers here. Let, let me pull this up. Uh, let's see. Rivian is an EV company that is going public within a week or so. Uh, actually, they just went public. Got the the wrong news here. Let me let me see what is going on. Uh. Let me move on here instead to the consumer price index instead. Uh, consumer prices came out to, uh, this past week showing an increase of 6.2% year over year. This was the worst climb in over 30 years. Now, unfortunately, wages year over year were only up 4.8%. A plan of increasing wages and the money supply to pay people more causes more inflation than people's increases in wages. I continue to see no end in sight for climbing consumer prices as the producer price index continue to remain at elevated levels with an increase of 8.6% in October. I do see inflation continuing to be a problem in 2022 with wages continuing to lag behind. So, you know, hear a lot about inflation and now Brent's joining me here. Um, but again, inflation continues to be a big problem. And I, I, as I said, I don't see it ending anytime soon. Well, now, I uh, uh, got stuck. <laughs> I, I, already, I already let our, I, I let our listeners know. know what happened. Like, yeah. So now I'm kind of coming in. Okay, so did you? T- yeah, so you just hit consumer prices. Uh, and and I, I think you, you talked about a lot about it. But it's just something that um, we will kind of see, I think. I mean, just generally about inflation. It, it's just, I mean, I mean, we keep hearing about it and keep hearing about it. And I, I, I keep saying, it's like it's transitory. You've heard that word dropped. And it's not as frequent anymore. I mean, when it yeah. first, oh, it's, it's just transitory. Don't worry about it. Now, it, you don't really hear this whole transitory argument any longer because 
I mean, energy prices are high. I there you hear the administration, there's no plan to fix energy prices. They say it's a top priority, but we know that's not the case. Right. So I think that we're gonna continue to see big, big issues with inflation. I I think twenty twenty two, which will be here before we know it, uh, will be a difficult year. Uh we could see, I'm I'm hoping somewhat that maybe we do see some uh turnaround in the um, uh, uh supply shortage, the 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 situation we have on the the, the uh, you know, all these ships off the coast, I think that will be resolved. Uh, we'll get through that. I just don't know when. I mean, right. it, it seems like, you know, yeah. I mean, that this holiday season, I don't think is going to help. Right. You know, it's going to make matters worse. I mean, uh, when is this, this, this shipping situation going to be resolved? Middle of 2022 when, when we kind of slow down from maybe consuming so many goods from yeah. the holiday season? Yeah, I'd say probably the first, second quarter. Uh, it, I mean, we will, you get through these There's things. so much of a backlash, right. I, I think, second well, quarter. I, and I keep hoping, we've talked about this in the past, where uh, California will not let trucks that are 10 years That's older. not going to change. Sorry a lot, Matt, you finish. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that uh, our governor will kind of realize, like, okay, well, let's try to help out here. Uh, and just for six months, I mean, t- in 2022, just, okay, we'll, we'll reduce the emission standards just for six to 12 months until we get this resolved. Um, but I, I can be hopeful, but, uh, doesn't mean it will happen, I guess. So, um, but if, it, it's frustrating and I, I think it's not going to, and, and what's very important and, and you know, I'm going to bring this up and I, I saw this, uh, yesterday, uh, oh, inflation hedges, uh, you, you know, you've got gold, which actually gold did start to move. Uh, I am not going to stand behind that Bitcoin's inflation hedge. It is just crazy. And I, I don't know if we're talking about that today or not. We're not. Just, yeah, we're not. Okay, but, but, but we, we will now. I mean, you, yeah. you talk about, uh, oh, it's inflation. Bitcoin has never been around during an inflationary period. Correct. So how can you say it's an inflation hedge? There's no data to back that up. Right. I mean, it, 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 it's yeah, it's gone up during inflation this past year, but is that because <laughs> of inflation or because the craziness of the market. You know, and I'm going to say it's definitely not because of inflation. What causes the rise of Bitcoin is the enthusiasm that Bitcoin's going to go up. The people buying Bitcoin are not saying, oh, I'm going to buy it because of inflation. Maybe now a few are, but to get to that level, it was people thinking that they're going to miss out, FOMO, fear of missing out, uh, that they need to get Bitcoin now. They were not thinking, oh, if I get Bitcoin, I'll be protected against inflation. And I, I, I do believe most of the people buying uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are on the younger side. So I would say I know a lot of our older clients are like, "What's Bitcoin?" <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I have conversations with people who are like, "I don't get it." I'm right? Like, I don't get it either. Right? So I don't know. It, it's craziness. But uh, speaking of craziness, and we want to talk about Rivian. Unfortunately, the data you have on Rivian is incorrect. So I'm going to have which, to go which, ahead and which read data it. is that? It's it, it was actually data from our one of our topics last week. So I do have the updated oh okay. so i was so, scrambling so, while you were gone because i started uh, okay. i started yes. looking at the data and i was like oh that is from last week so our listeners are like gosh what is this chase guy I, talking yeah. about I, I know what you're talking about because again it was uh, it got it got uh, outdated very quickly so so i'll let you start on that one go ahead yeah so i'll, I'll go ahead and kind of t- talk about rivian uh, give a little intro into it in the beginning of the show but we keep talking about this craziness in the stock market and this is just further proof as rivian has seen its market cap climbed past $120 billion. For reference, General Motors has a current market cap of about $90 billion, and Ford has a current market cap of about $80 billion. Now, this comes as Rivian has no track record 
and through October 31st has delivered just 156 total vehicles. Now, with all the hype in this <laughs> but, market... But, but wait, those 156 vehicles, who did they sell them to? Uh, that's a great point. The 156 vehicles were sold to their employees. So were they sold or given? I, uh, I think it was a combination because they did have some revenue. So right. I assume it, you know, maybe they gave them to them at a discount. But just craziness. But we, we keep saying with all this hype in the market, it reminds us of the famous Warren Buffett quote that says investors should be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. You know, I, I'd have to say here, investors are definitely acting <coughs> greedy. In parts of this market right now, I wouldn't say too many people are right. fearful at this time. Right, and and uh, you know we're getting these levels. We we I don't think we talked about it here. I don't think about it last week. Uh, but this is just another sign that we are going to have the hype investors going to have a very difficult time in 2022. The, these are signs. Reminds me of back during the tech bust when it was happening. You had these craziness things right before it. And here we, uh, again, a company that is worth more than General Motors or Ford uh, that also has no sales, no earnings, let alone no, no earnings. Um, they do have a good balance sheet, I think, because of all the IPO and everything else that they did. But what, and I talked about, I think, uh, last week, I don't think we covered it here on the show, about this company I set up a fund uh, you can invest in for sneakers. Uh, Nike sneakers going for $1.5 million a pair of sneakers by, I think, worn by uh, Michael, Jordan. Michael Jordan or something. So it, it, it's just these are signs that there's way too much money in the economy. It's not going to stay there. It's going to go away. And when it goes away, all these people that have all this money, they're going to pull back on investing because they won't have it. And then things are going to fall. What will stay is your strong value companies. And again, they may take some type of a hit. But uh, you're going to see, I, I do believe it's going to happen next year. There's going to be a lot of changes on some of these high-flying companies, cryptos, uh, the meme stocks, all this craziness, I believe, is going to be going away. could be the end of next year. could be the middle of next year. But this hype does not last forever. I mean, it's just crazy. <clears throat> I mean, you talk about Rivian right now. Their, their facility is really only set up to allow for about 150,000 vehicles annually to be produced. Well talking about GM, they sold 6.8 million vehicles last year. Ford sold 4.2 million vehicles last year. How in the world can a company be valued at more than these two companies when the, I'm going to say, run rate to get to that type of capacity is decades away? Yeah. I, I mean, you're talking about billions and billions of dollars in capital expenditures that you need to do to get to that type of million vehicle run rate well six million vehicle six million, running rate. right right it, it just makes no sense and people that are riding the wave of the hype yeah yeah it's so exciting and i made money on it so far think to yourself how does that make sense right and we talk about competition it's not like there's no competition in the space well, well chase i got a good word that there's never going to be another new ev company coming oh, out oh, very yeah. good. Very <laughs> right good. Well, what about ford they know. have the F-150 Lightning. They have right now 150,000 pre-orders, pre-orders for that car. What did I just say? 150,000 is what Rivian can make per year. And they're not even set up to do that just right. yet. It makes no sense. It, it, it makes no sense. And again, I was obviously joking about there is going to be no more EV coming. There, there will be. You've got General Motors. You've got, uh, I can't wait. I think the Hummer comes out uh, pretty Later soon. Later this year. Later this year. Well, actually, this year is going to be pretty soon. Yeah, that, yeah. We're almost mid-November here. So, uh, But you got that. 
you, you've got, I mean, Porsche, Mercedes, uh, Audi. And I, I will say Porsche and Mercedes don't. I, I'd really say that they're competing more against Ford, GM. Right. Because the, I will say they're a little bit different. They, they don't have the smaller cars like Tesla. They actually have an SUV and a truck. Right. I haven't seen um, Porsche release anything that's similar to that. So Do we know what the Rivians go for, what their price is? I actually do, I, yeah. I didn't, I'm not um, seeing that. See. So their SUV goes for about 70000 is what the price starts at. So, again, okay. it's, it's by no means a cheap vehicle. And the pickup truck starts at 67500 So, again, so it, it's not a inexpensive vehicle by any means. Right, right. Well, just a lot of competition out there. And doesn't Warren Buffett say something about a moat? Yeah. There's no moat here. I mean, it's and like I, a wide open ocean. I mean, you talk, you talk <laughs> about the Hummer. I I. I think that is the coolest vehicle. Right. I mean, I, I'm really considering getting one because <laughs> they are so cool. It's funny. When I first came out, I thought, well, I think I want one of those. I think it was out for just a few days. I went to the website. Mm, sold out already. <laughs> Too late. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, And I think that will be something that's phenomenal. So hopefully that does go come out, does very well. And that's the other thing, too, that we talk about. Hopefully that comes out and goes well. What is a Rivian? They're out with 10,000 cars, and all of a sudden they have a battery fire problem yeah. you know something it's it's not going to be good for the, for the investors. or you've seen lordstown motors um they've really hit speed bumps and their deliveries have gotten delayed and uh they're kind of sorry here brendan but they're kind of immune from the tesla problem <laughs> right. of delaying deliveries right. where lordstown has just gotten crushed and i i think that rivian doesn't have an elon musk type ceo yeah. that people love so I think that if they have delivery issues, I think that that's going to be problematic for the stock. So we'll see what happens next year. But I was going to say uh, we don't have time to kind of talk about it further. We did cover this on our YouTube channel yesterday and kind of gave some other numbers that, that mm-hmm. might be quite intriguing to you. So if you find this uh, Rivian topic interesting, be sure to go to YouTube, type in Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey, and uh, watch our weekly stock analysis video there. I try and do that on a weekly basis. We kind of missed the last couple of weeks Uh Due to me missing for football, football, <laughs> which which unfortunately is over. over. Yeah, we yeah. don't we, won't we don't want to talk about it. Okay, so. we'll talk about it. But but that was your last game last yeah. week. Yeah, we'll put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> so, okay. Devastating loss. So, uh, but let, let's move on because last week we talked about the jobs report, and I mentioned that, and I think we saw there was what seven point six million people that uh, still had not had jobs yet. And I said, well, gosh, I wonder. 7.4. Oh, it's pretty close. 7.4. That's what memory. So 7.4 million. So I thought, I thought, gosh, well, what's the JOLTS report going to be next week? Well, we have the JOLTS report, and JOLTS, again, stands for Job Opening Labor Turnover Survey. Uh, we've been talking about this and how, how uh, openings that people are unemployed. But this <laughs> month, the quits rate is what caught my eye. The job opening still stands at an elevated 10.4 million people. So we need. 3 million more people than what actually have employed, which is near the record high of 11.1 million people and still above the people that's unemployed at 7.4 million. But the big news was the quits ratio. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. The total number of people that quit, 4.4 million. This led to a record high quits rate of 3%. Again, that 4.4 million, again, that's a record. I mean, we have right. never seen that many people quit before. And, and, and the thing that people need to understand is the quit rate shows the percentage of workers leaving their job. 3%. I mean, that, that's, that's huge. Pretty yeah. darn I, high. Again, I've never seen it that high. I mean, you, and things are kind of changing is what's going on. Yeah. And, and, and the thing you have to look at here is at these levels, it shows how comfortable people are leaving their job as it's likely another opportunity is just right around the corner. I mean, you're not going to quit your job and be like, well, yeah. now I don't have a job. Yeah. 
I, that is a sign that we have a very, very strong job market, not to mention, again, the amount of jobs that are open. Right. I mean, there's a lot of competition out there for, you know, good jobs. And, and you can't go hardly anywhere without seeing help wanted, help wanted. You hear it all the time about different employers trying to do different things to get people in. So people know that, like, eh, a job, I don't say it's worthless, but you know, like, if an employer's not nice, like, eh, you know, I'll just go get a job somewhere else. So it does allow people to say, not worth it, I'll move on. Uh, but then the vaccines are another one. I mean, I'm, I, we can't tell, but how many people perhaps quit because of the fact that they were forced to maybe get a vaccine? Yeah, I, vaccination. I, I do wonder. I mean, it's not going to be the uh, 4.4 million no. that quit, but you know, you, you can't deny that. Right. A percentage of those 4.4 million, some of them likely stemmed from the vaccine mandates. So they're like, I'm not getting the vaccine. I'll go get another job. But uh, I was going to say the other thing, too, is right now the uh, the employees really have the upper hand in in negotiations, I would say. Oh, yeah. You, you know, I, I, with the labor shortage, it's like we can't find people to work. So this is a great time for many people to get higher wages and, you know, kind of. They, as I said, they have the upper hand. I, I was reading an article the other day that said a lot of people quit and they'll say, well, I really want to go work from home. So they'll go find a job that allows them to do that. Or they say, I, I think I'm being underpaid. Well, they'll go get another job that pays them more. So there's a lot of competition out there. Uh, again, a, a big, big benefit uh, if you are in the labor market looking for a, <laughs> a new career or a new job. <laughs> you know, I'm just not having a good day today. I, I, my reader here that we use is all messed up. I can't find uh, our, our program to actually get the visuals to actually go over uh, the fundamentals. Hold it up for you before you came in. Yeah, and, and I went to it, and now I can't find it. Uh, it was there, and I put in. Well, well, let me do this. Let me open the phone lines, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Uh, phone lines are open. Give us a call for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And we'll just get this quickly fixed here. Uh, see if you can hit their magic buttons there. Chase, come over this side. Uh, we do so we have, uh, let, let's go out to Coronado and uh, speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, hi, guys. Tell you what, um, good morning. I'm looking at Caterpillar here, kind of an infrastructure thing. Okay. And, and, and actually, I'm getting a lot of static. Is that on, on your end, John, or is that on our end, uh, Brent, Brendan? I'm not entirely Let's sure. <laughs> okay. You know, I think I'm just going to go home. Okay. I get stuck in the bathroom. <laughs> um, well, but he wants to look at Caterpillar, at least. Caterpillar. Okay. Uh, and, and, John, well, I know we got some static there, but uh, I think you said you think about an infrastructure play. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, well, I, I think with this, you know, next trillion dollars that, that they're going to throw in the economy. Um, if you know, some of your, you know, your John Deere or your Caterpillar don't benefit from that in some way. Okay. You know what? I think I'm going to have a Chase kind of take this, and maybe Brendan can come in and kind of help me uh, uh, get this on straight. So, uh, Chase, go go ahead and then, uh, talk with John this one. Gosh, we are just a mess this morning. It's, it's, it's a, a difficult situation, live radio. But, Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let me let me pull up Caterpillar for you here, John. Uh, so looking at Caterpillar, I mean, we all know the name. Uh, they are in the farm and heavy construction machinery. Uh, shares that are short currently, percentage of float very very small, just one point one percent. 
Uh, institutional ownership, 70.3%. Not surprised by that. I mean, a pretty big, well-known company. Looking at the the PE multiple, a little disappointed, though. I, I, I like Caterpillar. Obviously, as I said everybody knows the name. But the PE right now, 22.4, above the industry average of 19.1. Price to sales, also expensive at 2.4, above the industry average of 1.5. <clears throat> Price tangible book value, well, that stands at 12.3. Looks a little high to me, but it is better than the industry at 22.5. And price to cash flow stands at 14.7, also above the industry average at 13.1. Now, let's look at the growth rates. Wow, uh, done very, very well. Over the last year, earnings per share up 54.8%. The industry, however, has grown 75.7%. Over the last five years, earnings have averaged 54% growth per year also beating the industry average 36.4%. Now, sales over the last one year up 10.9%, being uh, slightly below the industry of 11.2%. Over the last five years, sales have averaged 3.9%, uh, also slightly below the industry at 6.1%. Looking at the dividend, you do get a, uh, I'm going to say a nice dividend, at 2.1%. It does beat what you're getting in the bank account. So, uh, you know, not a huge dividend, but but it's sizable. And they only use 44.5% of their earnings to pay that out, so I'm not worried about that dividend. Looking at the balance sheet, always a very important thing to understand. Uh, current ratio, well, that stands at 1.6. Uh, it's below the industry at 2, but I- I'm good with a 1.6 current ratio. They do have a-, a good liquidity on the balance sheet there. Debt to equity, well, that stands at 220%. That is very, very high. That is worrisome, but I will say, I've looked at Caterpillar in the past. They do financing for a lot of their heavy machinery. I mean, you see those those machines they utilize. Yeah. Uh, those things aren't cheap. So no. <laughs> <laughs> the financing is there. You, you would want to look at the operations. How much debt do they have on that? And what is attributed to financing? Is that can skew that ratio there? Uh, looking at the current price for Caterpillar, well, that's at two hundred nine dollars and twenty seven cents. It has pulled back. I, I I didn't realize that it that it has fallen actually a, a decent amount, as the 52 week high was 246 dollars and 69 cents, and the 52 week low well that's 169 dollars and 19 cents. Year to date it's about 17 percent. Uh, you know slightly below what the S and P has done this year, but uh, you know overall I'd say it's done pretty well. Very curious what has brought them down. I have seen deer also fall lately. Uh, not quite sure what has led to those declines, but uh, obviously looking at buying the stock, want to know why has that that company fallen from that, that 52-week high down about 15 20% as well. Uh, as always, we do want to kind of look forward to see what we're paying for the future earnings of the company. We'll go to December 2022. I do see that estimated earnings per share is $12.29. We apply our 16.6 multiple of that. We get a target sell price of $204 and one penny. So it is unfortunately still below the current price. Trades at a forward PE of about 17 times. Uh, you know, it, it's not overly expensive, but right. it's not inexpensive. So yeah. um, I, I think I might watch it, see if it falls further. Um, but at this time, I, I, I wouldn't be pulling the trigger on Caterpillar. All right, John. Yeah, I know John got has it. some. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for calling, John. Good to hear from you. Got it. Thanks, guys. Okay, bye bye. Yeah, that was was on his side. Uh, I think uh, it might have been in now. Well, he's in Coronado, so maybe sometimes Coronado doesn't have the best uh, reception. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, alrighty. Phone numbers eight six six 
877-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go to Lamita and speak with Arturo. Arturo, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, good morning. Uh, my question is on uh, electric vehicle uh, charging company, EVGO. Okay. It uh it jumped a lot in this last week, and I'm just I own it, and I'm thinking whether I should just hold it or since it went up so fast, can it also come down so fast? Yeah, you, you, and I think we we saw in the EV market because of Rivian. I think a lot of I'll say sympathy, not sympathy, but a lot of people like oh they they kind of rode the wave, and and that that could be why. So well, well I'm I'm gonna you got something different. The, the reason. I believe because there's another charging station company called Blink, and they also jump right. substantially. But the reason for that is the infrastructure. The infrastructure right. past the house, and in that is the charging stations. So I believe, well, oh, okay, you know, right. it's riding the hype of the infrastructure deal, which now all President Biden has to do is sign it. So that that looks very clear to be passing, and and money will be flowing into charging stations. So I, I think a lot of that is now getting baked into the. You know, and, and somebody brought up a thing uh, yesterday, and I, I don't know if it's true or not, but saying that the charging is not universal. It's not like when you go to the gas pump, all the pumps fit in the same same hole. Uh, with the charging stations, I heard some cars are, are different. So, like, I guess mm-hmm. Tesla, you can't use for other EVs. So are we going to have, like, different, all these different <laughs> EV charging stations around the country? Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, j- no. just a side, side note there. But um, I did pull up uh, EV, EV, oh my God, how do you say, what? EV Go? What? I, I don't know, because we have charging stations out front of our office, and I see people with Teslas and then other cars there. And I don't know. I just I just read that from somebody else, and I, I kind of question it. So I wonder if Tesla just is, their charging stations are only for Teslas. I don't know. Uh, it, but I don't know how yeah, you make it a different fit for yeah. that one and not yeah. a different. That, that if know. you have a, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I was driving in this morning, and I was just kind of looking at how many EV cars are driving around me. There wasn't very many. I did see the the Ford Mustang, which I hate saying that because it, it takes away that. That's going to call it the Ford Mach-E. Yeah, there we go. Um, I saw that one. But, okay, so say you pull up to a Tesla station with a Ford Mach-E, as you want to call it. Um, can you use a Tesla charging station? I don't know. Yeah, so it's something I kind of think about. Anyways, uh, let's look at uh, EVGO, I think is how you say this here. The symbol is EVGO. Uh, they are in the specialty retail industry is where they're putting these, these companies. They are 34% owned by institutional. Uh, last full reported period here I have is March 31st of 21. Uh, so that's kind of strange. Why I don't have any more Very strange. Yeah, uh, updated uh, data here. Uh, perhaps they're not uh, reporting data. I don't know. Uh, we, we do see that there is no PE ratio. They do not have uh, any earnings at this point in time. Industry is at 39.2. Price of sales over 100 versus 1.2. Price to book value 90.1 versus 7. So very, very high uh, valuations here. I do not see anything on earnings or sales growth. Uh, they do not pay a dividend. Let's take a look at the balance sheet here. Current ratio, 0.5 versus 2.3. Now, Autora, that is not very good because what that means is that they could be having a liquidity problem to where if they're spending out more money than coming in, they could have a liquidity problem. So be very concerned on that. Debt to equity, not too bad, 0.8 versus 1.2. We do see, let's see, oh, this is, uh, well, day's inventory, 0.7 versus 127. That's pretty good, but I, I don't, I'm not going to look at that for, for this company here. Net profit margin, negative 336 versus a positive 3.9. Uh, 
uh, return on equity a negative 68.2. I mean, it, uh, you know, these EV battery makers and so forth, they're very high risk now trying to find who's going to be in it. I don't assume there's any earnings going forward here, Chase. Or what well, I'm going to start with the current price here at sure. $18.90. Uh, that's close to its 52-week high of $19.59, well off the 52-week low, $7.17. Now, market cap for this company is about $5 billion. So wow. It's not small. No, by any I'm means. surprised it's that big. Yeah, so it's it's definitely <coughs> grown quite substantially. Uh, as you did assume, there is no estimated earnings for 2022. It looks like the first time an analyst gives it a, a positive earning estimate is 2024. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was thinking about these these charging stations as well when you were talking. And I, I, I just wonder about the margins. Yeah. How do they make money? And right now, the EV market's going to be kind of subsidized by, by the federal government. And people hate fossil. Oh, people, the gas stations <laughs> rip you off. Are people going to be complaining about EVs down the line? Or, oh, those EV companies, they just rip people off <laughs> in terms of the charging. And the other thing I was thinking about is how many people now start putting the charging stations in their homes? Yeah. So yeah. what is going to be the, the demand? And I think that yeah. we need to get this fixed. I do not want a EV if I'm going to Las Vegas driving, if I'm going to Phoenix. I don't want to pull off on the side of the road and wait for 40 minutes to charge my car. Well, and the other thing, too, going down the road, no, no pun intended— uh, what's going to happen is that the charging is going to be longer. You know, I think right now three to 500 miles is like the max. Well, I think maybe in two, three, four years, it could be 1,000 to 2,000 miles. So that will change. But again, that means, well, hey, I'm going to do my charging at home because I can go now like we, a week and not worry yeah. about it. So I, this is why, Atora, I, I don't like a lot of these future companies because they're hot now. But as we could just kind of dissected what could happen, so you know, three years from now, you get a car that can last two thousand miles. Why you need a charging station? No. So be yeah. careful there. These are high risk things going out, and they sound pretty exciting. But I don't know, as Chase said. Well, why would I ever use a charging station when I can do it at home? Yeah, so. I, I'd say Arturo, as you said, you made money on it. Congratulations. Uh, the question is, do you want to keep rolling the dice for for another gain there? No, you take some profit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, take some profit. <laughs> take some profit. profit is good. <laughs> profit is good, especially when it's when it has come up almost, you know, double in the last week. And I know they hooked up with General Motors, okay, and with Uber, mm-hmm. and uh, they're planning. You know, the infrastructure bill is they're planning to build so many stations across the nation. So yeah, yeah, and will those stations be? Empty five years from now because you don't need them. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I gotta think about. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for your information. Okay, Tora, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. All right, that does open up the phone line 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's go out to Phoenix and speak with Roland. Roland, you're in the Smart Investor over Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. Well, since I'm in Phoenix, I'm up an hour earlier than you guys in San Diego now. <laughs> and interestingly enough, I'd been looking at Caterpillar and John Deere this morning, and I grew up in Peoria, so familiar with Caterpillar. But John Deere, on the surface, looks like a screaming buy when you look to the forward earnings. And I think it's down because of the strike, labor strike there, but it will probably get settled 
some time, so I wanted to get your take. I have not had a chance to look at the financials on John Deere, but wanted to get your take because it, when you look at the forward P.E. ratios, it looks really promising. You know, Roland, and, and I, I do know they have a strike, and this is one time that we like to buy a good company because you said that the stock is down now. This could be a good opportunity. Now, maybe the strike goes a little bit longer, but this is what we kind of look for. Kind of that's on sale for what we call a fixable problem. We know the strike is not going to destroy the company. So let's take a look at the numbers here to see what we actually have. And I do see, and again, this are, they're in the industry of farm and heavy construction machinery. Uh, the shares of float, very low, 0.6%. Uh, institutional ownership, uh, 78.4%. Uh, we do have the last reported period is uh, July 31st. Uh, the P ratio right now, on the trailing 12 months is 20.8 versus 19.1. Price of sales is high, 2.7 versus 1.5. Price of tangible book value is 9.8 versus 22.5. That is good. And price of cash flow is 14.6 versus 13.1. Now, the earnings per share over the last uh, one-year change is up 98.5%. That is better than the industry at 75. Even the five-year uh, earnings per share change is about 29.1 for the company, but the industry was at 36.4. Uh, the sales change for the last year, 19.5 for John Deere versus 11.2 for the industry. Over the five-year, 9.8 versus 6.1. Now, here's a big positive. Based on the analysts, the five-year earnings per share growth estimated to be 40.8%. That's about double the industry at 24. Now, looking at the uh, yield they have, that's only 1.2. I wish that was higher. The industry's at 2.4%. However, John Deere, they only use 19% of their earnings to pay it out versus the industry of 30%. Look at the balance sheet, uh, current ratio 2.2 versus 2.0. Debt to equity 3.1, I'm sorry, 310% versus 170%. But I do believe that John Deere probably does have, uh, they probably loan for the vehicles and for the equipment and so forth. So some of that could be accounts receivable from the loans that they have with, with the customers. So you want to check into that just to verify that. We do see on their day's inventory, very good, 80.4 versus 110. Day's sales outstanding, 45 versus 80. And both of those you want lower, so that, that's good there. Net profit margin, 12.9 versus 7.7. Return on equity, very good, 34.6 versus 26. Uh, so I'm liking what I'm seeing here. Uh, Chase, what about the, what's the stock been doing and, and looking forward? Yeah, so let's take a current look here at the price of uh, <clears throat> Deere Company, John Deere. Uh, $358.86, 52-week high, $400.34. So again, like Caterpillar has seen that pullback. 52-week low, though, $249.08. So still up quite substantially. And year-to-date, still a, a very strong return of 34.5%. And I remember looking at this, gosh, either last year or year before, but I know John Deere was kind of trying to do more in terms of reoccurring revenue, kind of yeah. like subscription-type stuff. So uh, I think that their business model has improved, but it's it's definitely uh, been reflected in that stock price. And, and now looking forward for the company, if I go out to October 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $21.66. Would give us a target sell price of $359.56, uh, right about at that current level. But you know, as I said, October 2022, that's right around the corner. We'll, we'll be pushing out to right. October 2023. I do see now that's estimated at $23.79 if we look at 2023. That would give us a target of $394.91, so above the current level. 
Um, you know, but I, I would be maybe a little cautious on it. I, I don't know if I'd be ready to jump in just yet, Roland. I, I, I think I'd watch it a little bit more, kind of wait maybe until they report earnings. You might miss it, honestly, to be right. quite frank with you, but uh, I, I'd rather be patient and get a great opportunity. Right now, I'd say it looks like an okay opportunity. And Roland, the other thing I would look at, too, is that when I think of John Deere, I think of farm equipment. Uh, and you have to kind of look at the, the 10Q, the 10K to see how much of their equipment they sell as farm equipment, how much is for roads. You always think of Caterpillar is the big one. You see the cats all along the freeway when they got, uh, uh, you know, construction going on. So before I jumped into this with an infrastructure play, I would want to know that number. How much goes to farm equipment? Because I don't think they'll benefit from the infrastructure play uh, versus actually construction, you know, to do roads and bridges and stuff like that. So that'd be one question I'd have. Uh, but I do, I do like the idea of the strike because perhaps that can bring down the stock price. And as Chase mentioned, also, we're going to be seeing new numbers here in probably a, a month or two uh, that can project out to 2023. So uh, I think it's worth watching and looking at, but I would not buy this level either. All righty? Okay. Roland, thanks for Thank calling. You. Enjoy Phoenix. <coughs> Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866 577 Two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to Normal Heights and speak with Mike. Mike, you're on the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Omnicom. It's O M C is a symbol. It's an older established media advertising marketing company, and I'm looking at it as a value play. Good PE and a dividend. I right. wonder what you, how you thought about it. All right. Well, now let's take a look at the numbers here. Again, the company is uh, Omnicom Group. A symbol is OMC. They are in the industry's advertising agencies. Uh, we do see institutional ownership very high, 94.6%. But you are correct. A nice PE ratio of 10.7 versus the industry over 100. Uh, price to sales, 1.1 versus 1.4. Price to uh, no price of tangible book value. So look at the book value, 4.5 above the industry at 3.8. Price of cash looks good, 5.7 versus 10.5. We got a peg ratio here of 1.2 versus 45. So that's a pretty good uh, number there. Look at the earnings per share uh, change over the last year. It's up 45.2%. No change for the industry. Even the five year for Omnicom uh, was a 6.6%, industry a negative 16.7. So they're doing a good job growing their earnings. Sales, same thing. Sales one year change up 4.7 versus decline of 3.2%. Five year not quite as good. It was a change uh, of down 1.5, but industry was down 7.1. So a difficult period there. The five year earnings per share growth estimate about 9.5% above the industry at 3.1. So like seeing that. They do pay a nice dividend here. I'm shocked by this. I did not think an advertising company would pay this type of dividend. The dividend yield is 4.1%. They use 42.6% of the earnings to pay that out. The industry is at 1.6. So that's a that's a nice juicy dividend. Hopefully they can sustain that. Looking at the balance sheet, current ratio is 1 versus 1.7. I'm okay with that. Debt to equity, a little bit worrisome here. It's 190 versus 110. And also, too, remember I said there's no tangible book value. So a lot of their assets are intangibles could be a problem. So you got high debt, high intangibles. That could be something to kind of look at to be worried about. Uh, we do see actually intangibles are 38.6% of the assets. We do see a day's inventory uh, is 38 or 39.8 versus 16. That is not very good. 
we do see the net profit margin 9.8 versus 1.4. Return equity, very good. This kind of tells me I have a, perhaps a low equity, 42.4 versus 9. Uh, Chase, what do you got going forward? No, I was just going to say, I, I think this company is probably asset light. I, yes. I can't imagine you need very much machinery or brick-and-mortar type locations, right. so I can't imagine they have a bunch of real estate. So um, I, I'm just assuming they're asset light, which I'm not going to say makes an excuse for the debt levels and so forth, but kind of gives me an idea of why that right. is. Right. Now, looking at the current price here for Omnicom, it is $68.93. has pulled back a little bit from that 52-week high of $86.38 and 52-week low $56.65. Year-to-date stock's up about 13.6%. So it, it's done okay this year. Now, if I look forward for Omnicom, this is looking pretty darn good. Uh, 2022 estimated earnings per share of $6.46 would give us a target sell price of $107.24. So good estimated return there, Mike. Uh, big question lies within that balance sheet, though. And Chase, I didn't notice a trend of those earnings actually going up. Yeah, I mean, ninety days ago, they're like six thirty-three. So, so that's pretty good on that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, and you're seeing <coughs> growth. I mean, this year you're looking at earnings growth of twenty-four percent. Next year, pretty low of just three percent. But year after that, about six percent. So, I mean, it, it's looking in the right direction. As I said, I, I, I just, I don't know if I can get over that balance sheet. But the, a lot of the other items look pretty darn good. Now, I would say <coughs> another thing that concerns me, <coughs> excuse me, is. Generally, advertising is pretty easy to cut during downturns. And that's one of the first things that you can say, well, I'll pull back on advertising. So it's not, I'm going to say, recession-proof. Right. I don't see a major recession next year. Uh, I do think we'll, we'll have a, a slowdown here probably in a couple years. But um, just something to consider with this is if you had a pullback, I think this company would get hit pretty hard. Uh, that is a good, good point to bring up. And, and the other thing, too, is that I would want to look at the financials a little bit more. I think this is worth looking at. I, I, I guess I'm attracted to the 4.1% dividend pretty good. Yeah, 4 uh, PE is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you got a lot of good things. I think it's worth looking at. I would not say it's a buy at this level. Uh, it does look pretty good. But you got to really look at that balance sheet. Again, Chase, point, a good point, too, about the advertising. That usually is the first thing that businesses on the slowdown will come, come back on. So... Uh, I think worth the, uh, the, the the research here, Mike, uh, but it really check that balance sheet and understand the business a little bit more. Already? Well, you know, the balance sheet, it, it, this is a service company, not they don't have an inventory or, or big assets. So it, uh, they're selling their service, which I think would explain the balance sheet, don't you? N- not really, because uh, if you have debt and you have bills to pay, um, and you've got a high debt level and they want to collect that debt and you can't pay it, you're, you're still going to have a problem. So uh, they don't have the assets to maybe back that up, but maybe cash flow would be something to really look at. But yeah, debt is always important for a company. You, you want to make sure a company has liquidity to, to pay their bills and also, too, that they're not being over leveraged with too much debt, whether it's a big equipment company or an advertising company. Debt, debt, debt can, help, uh, can hurt a company. Well, I'd say you know, their, their business model shouldn't call for much debt. Yeah. What what did they take the debt on for? Would be my question as well. Why are they? Why have they issued that debt? So um, I I do agree that uh, I would probably look at the cash flow to see you know what does that look like in terms of paying off those interest payments in terms of paying off those future liabilities uh, as as there's not really the assets to back it up. So I, I look at the cash flow and uh, again understand why do they have that debt? Yeah. Okay, Mike. Yeah. Good. Good point. 
<laughs> All right. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for calling, Mike. Have a good one. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Tony. Tony, you are on the Smart Investor Show with Brent Chase. Yeah, hey, guys. Uh, good morning. Uh, morning. Um, always a pleasure to hear your, your uh, analysis on uh, on the weekends. Um, my, my question was, uh, when, in listening to the discussion on, on um, you know, different uh, uh, bump-ups in these uh, EV companies and the, the infrastructure, uh, Solar Edge, which is related, um, when we talked about, uh, or when I heard you talk about, you know, isn't it easier to plug in at home? I'd say overwhelmingly. I, I, I think even the market uh, research indicates something like 80% of electric vehicle owners actually do charge at home. Okay. So the, that, uh, you know, question about, you know, all this money pumped into these stations, I think uh, as soon as they extend the battery life of these vehicles, which happens every year, I, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old um, electric vehicle, a Hyundai Kona, because uh, at the time I could not afford a Tesla, um, but uh, just the jump up in range since then has been extraordinary. So, so uh, when you look at home charging and solar energy, uh, that's why I looked at the Solar Edge. I've had it; um, it's bumped up to like I think 360. I got it in uh, like 203, and I'm just kind of wanting like your opinion, uh, you know, from an outside lens. Um, is it still a hold? Would you recommend um, cashing out uh, profits or invest more? Yeah, and I, I was going to say, you bring up a great point. I, we didn't talk about this during the electric charging, but that is pretty awesome. I, I would love not to have to go to the gas station anymore. It's such a pain <laughs> in the butt when you're just sitting there and you're like, oh, I got to go, and you want to find a place so that's true. not too expensive. I mean, we were driving down Miramar Road today on the way to the station. What station was at 509? Oh, I know. Oh, I was like, holy cow, that's expensive. So. Yeah, and have you tried gassing at a Costco recently? Oh. Have you seen the lines at a Costco <laughs> gas station? It's because their prices are good, so everybody yeah, wants to go everybody there. Goes there. And you know, it's funny because I know people do complain about going to a charging station for EVs because of the fact that it takes a long time to do it, plus there's lines there. But now with the Costco's, I mean, you want a good price on your gas, you're going to wait probably, I'll say at least probably 15, maybe 20 minutes to fill up your car. So, uh, And I think you're saying Solar Edge. what they do is they create a system at home using solar to, to uh, charge your electric vehicles. Is that Correct. Most, yeah. uh, many of the Tesla owners that I know um, – they have solar-powered homes. In other words, it really doesn't cost them anything, and you know they can plug in at any any time. I don't have solar energy at home. However, through SDG&E's pricing structure, if you just and everything is app-based, the technology is extraordinary. Um, you just you just program it to charge from midnight to six. Uh, you know you can do it a few times a week or every day if you want to, and it's always fully charged. So I never have. Uh, the concern of, you know, running out of, quote, unquote, you know, energy or juice or right. uh, the equivalent of gas because I just charge it every, you know, every other night. Yeah. And so I keep it fully charged and it, it's at 238 miles max charge. I never use that in a single day. Yeah. And actually, it's kind of an interesting company. So I, I do want to look at the fundamentals to see if we can invest in this or not because uh, I have a feeling it's probably going to be too pricey because it is in that solar yeah. energy thing, which we've been trying to find something on sale because we don't like to buy things unless they're on sale. But let's look, look at the numbers here. I, I, I do see that they have 83.1% uh, institutional ownership. Uh, unfortunately, P-E ratio well above the 100, same as the industry, and that's what we're running into these solar companies. Everybody wants them, so they bid up the price on them. Price of sales, 11.3 versus 4.7. 
Price to tangible book value, 18.2. That is better than the industry at 43.9. And unfortunately, price to cash flow, over 100 for the, com- for the company and the industry. Uh, the peg ratio does look good, though, 2.7 versus 15.6. Now, this is kind of surprising to me. The earnings per share change year over year is actually down 21.1%. Industry down 27.5. Five-year looking a little bit better, a five, uh, 8.5% growth versus a negative 16 Sales for the company, uh, one-year change, 16.5% versus 3.8. The five-year change, 28.6 on sales versus a negative 5.8. So the company's doing very well here. Uh, the five-year earning per share growth estimate by the analyst, 25.2%. No surprise there, but that is also above the industry at 21. Looking at the balance sheet, you got a current ratio, very good, 3.8 versus 3.1. Nice debt-to-equity, 60% versus 100% for the industry. We do see days inventory outstanding as a 93.1 versus 89.2. Uh, that should be lower. Days sales outstanding is 85.6 versus 98, so that is a positive. They do have a nice net profit margin of 8.2 versus 3.4. And return equity also looking pretty good, 11.7 versus 7. Chase, what do you got going forward here? Yeah, so current price here for Solar Edge, well, that stands at $362.41. Uh, pretty darn close to a 52-week high of $377. Wow, interesting. That was achieved on uh, January 8th of this year, so it hasn't hit that 52-week high in, <laughs> since oh, wow. the beginning of the year. <laughs> uh, but 52-week low, well, that's $199.33. So, wow, big dip that occurred at, at the beginning of the year, and it has bounced back. But year-to-date return up about 13.6%. Uh, if I go forward for Solar Edge, I see 2022 estimated earnings per share, $6.97. Unfortunately, very, very pricey as that would give us a target sell price of $115.70. So it doesn't quite fit the build here for a value company, Tony. Um, I'd say if I was a growth investor it, it, or looking at it from a growth stock perspective, yeah. I mean, you see the, the year-over-year growth here, 23.5% for 2021, 37% for 2022. So you're seeing good growth and they have a clean balance sheet, but it just, as I said, doesn't fit the build as a, a value company, which we like to may have in. bought it. It seems like I bought it at the, at the dip, right? Uh, at the, I got it at 203 and you said the, the 52 week low was 199. So yeah. might maybe was a value then. I just remember at that time, I think they missed an estimate <clears throat> and typically, you know how the market overreacts on these quarterly uh, reports. I think that's what happened there. And then of course now, you know, it's, it's just had a huge run up. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I'll just, you know, take the, the profits and run and look at a, a lower priced, um, um, more of a value. I know, I know, especially on your show, it's very much Buffett, um, you know, value oriented. Finding, finding maybe a growth prospect at a good value. Really hard uh, <laughs> nowadays, I think. You're, you're right. And we like to find things on sale and there's not a whole lot on sale right now. But the other thing I was saying on this company as well, do they have competition? Is there other companies doing yeah. the same thing out there as well? So, uh, but I think you're kind of leaning towards taking the profits and try to find a, a, a better value uh, at this point in time. So, already? Yeah, I do. I, I think now, kind of just hearing the numbers, um, I just kind of needed that outside uh, uh, opinion. I was leaning that way, and I think hearing the discussion of the numbers kind of nudged me over. Cool. Well, Tony, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye bye. Alrighty, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Wayne. Wayne, you're on the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? 
Morning, gentlemen. I'd like your opinion on Nucor, N-U-E is the symbol. Okay. And uh, my reason is going forward, I see all kinds of different numbers. I've got, you know, I understand the, the, but that's a year away before that kind of money is really going to affect the stock. You know what I mean? Okay. When you kind of broke up there a little bit, I I think you, I think we got what you're you're looking at there. So we're going to take a a look at Nucor. Their symbol is N-U-E. Uh, do see institutional ownership is 84.3. Not a lot of uh, shorts on this, only 2.7. Uh, a very good PE, uh, 6.7. Not quite as good as the industry at 5.7. Price of sales, 1.1. That's above the industry at 0.6. Price to tangible book value, 3.4. Just slightly under the industry at 3.6. Then price to cash flow, 8.2 versus 4.8. Now we have a peg ratio of 0.1 versus 2.1. That is good. Uh, looking at their earnings per share uh, change over the past year, wow, 614%, nothing for the industry. Same thing with the earnings per share growth, uh, five years, 44.4%. So done a great job growing their earnings over the past year and five year. Sales, uh, one-year change up 29.9 for Nucor versus 18.1 for the industry. Sales on the five-year change, 10.6 for Nucor versus 3.5. And analysts give the five-year growth rate of uh, 34.2, well above the industry at 7.8. So that's a big positive there. They still have, uh, no, they do not have uh, a good dividend. Their dividend is 1.4%, but the industry has a dividend of 4.2. So I kind of mix those up. And the payout ratio is not that much different. The payout ratio for Nucor is 16%. Industry does it with an 18.3% payout ratio. So a little bit disappointed on that. I do say they have grown their uh, dividend for 10 years in a row. Uh, which is a pretty impressive uh, thing. They actually have not cut that dividend or reduced it. The balance sheet, uh, current ratio, very good, 3.1 versus 2.2. Debt to equity, very good, 40% versus 60%. Days inventory, looking pretty good, 92.3 versus 101.9. Days sales outstanding, 47.6, not quite as good as the industry at 44.7. We do see the net profit margin for Nucor, 11.7 versus 9.7, and return to equity is very good at 24.7 versus 18.5. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Nucor, new $112.24, 52-week high, $128.81. Wow, 52-week low. Well, that was $47.94. Year-to-date return up 113.9%. I uh, do believe this one is uh, riding that infrastructure wave mm-hmm. as well. Uh, if I look forward for Nucor, estimated earnings per share in 2022, well, that's $14.67. Would give us a target sell price of $243.52, which looks phenomenal. Right. But I will point out, 2021, the company this year's estimated make $23.54. So you're seeing a decline of about 37.7% in the earnings next year. And then following in 2023, estimated earnings dropped to 7.61, a decline of 48% from that level. The hard part with these steel companies, and the business is so cyclical, is that they almost look very attractive when the stock price is really high because their earnings are doing well. And then they almost look more attractive when the earnings don't look as good and the stock price is low so it's a cyclical company that's really really hard i'd say to value and what did you say that the uh, earnings were in 2021 that's not 23 dollars and 54 cents 23 dollars yeah I, I thought maybe that was a mistake because that sounds awfully high compared to 
seven dollars and sixty one cents yeah. in two thousand twenty. That almost sounds like because I have a different program I look at. They only show five dollars and five cents. That that number just seems like the twenty three dollars just seems very, very strange to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I I don't know. I mean, but but still, with all that said, when you get some strange numbers, things don't look quite right. Uh, and, and again, how much they're going to benefit now is just all baked in with the infrastructure play. Uh, I mean, Nucor looks pretty good, but I, I, I don't think I want to buy it at this level yet. No. I think I'd be more patient. Already? And that, inf- and that infrastructure money is not going to take effect for anywhere from 12 to 24 months to do those big projects where the steel is really going to be used. Oh, yeah. That's my feeling. Yeah. And, and actually, so, I think it can take even longer than that as well. Right. I mean, it can go up for years. Some of those projects are uh, that funding's over five to 10 years. In that bill, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Okay. So, so can I make one comment about Caterpillar? Sure, From a definitely. construction standpoint, Caterpillar has the best equipment for performance and reliability. Talking about maintenance for your caller that called me about John Deere and Caterpillar. I'm not talking stock price. I'm just talking equipment. Equipment, and, and, and you know, I've kind of wondered that because, as I said, you see a lot more Caterpillar out there on the construction sites than you do see Deere. Uh, maybe that's yeah, well, my dad owned a construction company, and that's the only uh, brand he would buy. Yeah, and, and I kind of would, would say that would be true because I see that. But I would still want to know how much deer does in construction. I still think they're mostly deer, deer does mostly agriculture. I that's thought. what I'm thinking. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. But those machines are, are very expensive. I mean, those <laughs> those combines can cost four or $500,000. For oh, the farm, you, you know, you can buy a so Lamborghini for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you can buy a lot of Teslas with that kind of money. Tell this uh, call screener. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's shaking his head right now. <laughs> it's his birthday today, and his yes. one request is for us not to talk about Tesla. And I think, we and we did it twice. Times. Twice. <laughs> we'll talk about Elon Musk selling stock on a drip drip method uh, another time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Time, guys. All right. Thank you very much for calling. Bye bye. Alrighty, gosh, we only got about a minute left, but uh, yeah, uh, happy birthday to Bren- Brendan for uh, and doing such a great job here every Saturday for us on the Smart Investor. Thank show. you so much. I won't quit this job, I promise. Okay. <laughs> okay. And outside the parking lot, we got a Tesla waiting for you. <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> well, we we covered a lot today on on the show. I'm, I'm very happy with the results, and I, I do have to apologize for to uh, uh, Rose and, and Dave. We did not get to you today. It's been a busy a busy day on the uh, on the show. We didn't even do anything on Facebook today. Uh, but uh, please, you know, tune in next week. We'll, we'll, we'll get your calls. Try to call in a little bit earlier uh, in the Smart Investing Show. We, we, we just love talking to people, and uh, it's just uh, we sometimes can't get to everybody. Yeah, and I, I'd say we had the callers coming in nicely today. So, yeah. uh, you know, we do, as you said, apologize. But uh, it looks like we're shaping up for a good Saturday. Uh, looking like the, the weather's kind of warm. We got the sun out there. So yeah. uh, definitely have a, a good weekend here. Yeah, you got your smart investing uh, information now, so now you go out and relax on the beach. I think it's going to be like 80 degrees or something today. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't even buy or, or sell stocks today or tomorrow, so you're good. You know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Nothing we, to worry about. And the then Monday will hit it hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Not that we trade, by the way. <laughs> right, right. Well, the research is what we hit hard. <laughs> All righty, this is a closing bell. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more details your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website. A lot of great information there. Smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook group page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase Wilsey. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. To think that I did all that.
This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.